0: Hi, this is Juliette Tablack, also known as Marcy's niece, Amber, and you are listening to the Married with Children podcast.
1: You see, Kel, this is the breakthrough that men have been waiting for since the beginning of time.
2: <laughs> you
1: know what? It looks like you and your cross legged, let's talk, gift expecting, ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. What about me? Bimbo sapiens are about to be made obsolete. <laughs>
3: Let's rock!
2: Thanks, Dad.
3: Can I get it open? Whoa!
2: No man presents live from the Nudie Bar: The Married with Children podcast.
3: Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This is Luigi. We've been working on trying to figure out what the switch here does in the nudie bar, and we don't have an eyebrow left among us. And I'm Chris. Look, Beverly Hills, 90,210.
4: Boy, they must be really dumb that far in the future, and they're still in high school.
5: And I'm Mike. Just because someone calls himself an electrician doesn't mean he knows any more about electricity than the average guy. (laughs) (laughs)
3: So, we are reviewing Season 9, Episode 22, User-Friendly. Original air date, April 9th, 1995. Bud gets hooked on a virtual reality sex experiment to revitalize his sex life with Amber until she and Kelly find out and plan to stop him. Meanwhile, during his week-long vacation, Al becomes obsessed with an electrical switch that has an unknown function directed by Sam W. Orender written by Russell Marcus special guest stars Harold Sylvester as Griff Juliet Tablack as Amber E.E. Bell as Bob Rooney JD Cullum as Dr. Kessler Elaine Hendricks as Sandy and John Kendall as Bruno Springfield's new theme park is out of control. You're wrong about that
2: robot trying to be a friend. Don't
5: contradict your elders. The Simpsons. Then,
4: you saw their wedding. Now, see what really happened on the way to the altar.
2: This is the sign, man.
4: Catch a special Martin. And it's time for home improvement, Bundy
3: style.
0: 2.6 billion men on the planet, and we didn't marry any of them.
3: Married with children, plus all night long, join hosts Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw. Tonight, beginning at 8 on
6: Fox 11.
3: So welcome back to another edition of the Married with Children podcast. This is actually a very sad episode for us because this was the last appearance of our beloved Amber. And for those of you who have not checked out our interview with Julia Tablack, you can see that was done earlier in season nine. And today she is Dr. Julia Tablack. And today we have a special guest host, Mike. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Mike and I have known each other now for 25 years. We actually went to college together, and we were hanging out last night before we did this recording, and when I realized that this was the electrical uh, episode, which is the B plot for user-friendly, I thought that he would be a great addition. So, welcome to the show, Mike.
5: Thanks. I'm I'm glad I can make some kind of contributions to the show, so...
3: (laughs) So, Mike, I know you're a fan of uh, Married with Children. I mean, you're not a a super fan, maybe like myself, but do you want to talk a little bit about your journey with Married with Children?
5: Well, started watching it probably the same time uh, you did, Luigi, 87, 88, when it first came out. I'm not sure if I catch the premiere, but it soon got uh, hooked on it and watching it. And the, the title was really deceptive, Married with Children. It just seemed like it was some other kind of serious drama about family life you know like this um, uh, everything is great and you know there's a family and there's going to be some kind of conflict but it's resolved at the end of the show and it is the total opposite of what that of of what I expected it to be it just caught on quick I I thought the you know slapstick comedy it was funny and it just had this reality in it that was unlike any other show I think that's what would really Stood out about it is that there wasn't really any other kind of show. You know, you you watch these uh, at the time. You're watching different strokes, and you're watching silver spoons, and you know about the the typical show for uh, nine year olds, ten year olds to watch, kids to watch. And this was just a big departure from it. But it was it was a it was a pleasant departure. It was it, it was funny. Just remember, you know, I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade. Good good Catholic boy with my uh, uniform every day, tie and polyester pants, you know, and, and, and uh, really strict <laughs> conservative upbringing. And um, yeah, I think after, I don't know when it was after the first or second, season some of the teachers some of the nuns and some of the teachers got caught wind of this show and immediately it was denounced as uh, this is this is gross this is disgusting you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, uh, you know have this garbage in your mind you shouldn't watch this you shouldn't poison your your brain to watch this 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 garbage about these carnal desires of of uh, you know sexuality and deception and you know misery that's that's just not what was taught in Catholic school you know <laughs> so But like anything, this became this taboo, right? It just drove me and my friends to watch it even more, you know, like this, this you can't watch. So let's just watch it even more. And that, that was, uh, you know, that was just part of, of, uh, you know, remember and Sunday nights, the the Fox lineup that was the famous Fox lineup, and they had a lot of great shows. And uh, Maru Children was always a staple. And then you had uh, Tracy Ullman show, which I watched in Living Color, a classic comedy show. That's I just enjoyed watching a lot of comedy, a lot of uh, you know stuff that made me laugh and it made me laugh out loud. So that's that's what I remember of it. I I think toward the end, I mean, I, maybe after season five or season six, it started to drift off. In high school, I don't remember watching a lot of it, but, um, but it was on every night and, and I didn't watch it with my parents. I, I was, I was the only one uh, watching it. So even my father, my, my, they, they just had no, my mother didn't have any interest in watching it. So that's, that's what really, uh, uh, that's what I remember about it, but it's just one of those shows that you just never forget. It's, it's, you know, anybody speaks about it, you know, exactly what, what the show was. It's, it stands out from, you know, the other hundred shows that you've watched when you were a kid. So that's what I remember about it.
3: That's great. Now, Chris, you know, you've talked about how you went, you came from a very conservative church going family in Texas. So (laughs) sound familiar?
4: Yeah, I was laughing the whole time you were saying that because, Mike, so I grew up in a pretty, uh, pretty conservative family. We um, we went to church. uh, You know, I didn't go to Catholic school, private school or anything like that. But we went to church uh, two or three times a week. I mean, so we were we were very active in church. And Married with Children was kind of our guilty pleasure, I guess you could say. And oddly enough, I, I started watching this show at a really young age. I mean, I, I can remember watching this as early as about five or six years old, and, which is, you know, pretty young to be watching a show with this amount of sexual content. But 90 percent of the adult jokes were way over my head. But we I always thought the like I was telling Luigi earlier, you know, this episode here, this is another episode I remember specifically watching live first air. And I actually liked the the B plot better the first time I watched it because, you know, I didn't really understand most of the sex jokes, but Alan Jefferson being electrocuted it was pretty funny. Because <laughs> I was I would have been about 10 or maybe eleven when this episode aired.
3: Yeah. And, you know, uh, a couple of things about our time in college. So I don't know, Mike, if you remember this, but one day I, I went into school and most of my friends, we went to a small engineering college. Uh, so Mike is a, graduated with a degree in electrical engineering and I have a degree in civil engineering. So I think it was probably, I'm going to say our sophomore year of college. I'm walking into the building. It was either sophomore or junior year. And like all of the guys are saying to me, it's like, hey, Luigi, Al Bundy's down the is down the street. Uh, it was on Lafayette uh, Lafayette Street in Manhattan.
5: Yep, I, was, I remember like, I remember that day. I was
3: like I was like, what are you guys talking about? It's like Al Bundy It's like, you mean Ed O'Neill? I was like, yeah it's like, you know, he's filming something on Lafayette Street, which is like three blocks away Yeah. So I remember you and I went out and a couple of other guys, like we went out it's like, you know, is this true? You know, so <laughs> we went out for a walk and, and I remember he was like dressed up like a cop and I I'm trying to figure out what it was
5: right it it was i i remember exactly what it was it was a he was filming a commercial for 1-800 collect
3: i believe that people are basically good at heart just because somebody dials zero to call collect doesn't mean he's a bad person they're just misguided product of their environment they grew up dialing zero their parents probably dialed zero Unfortunately, the people they call have to pay the price. If they had just dialed 1-800-COLLECT instead, a lot of hard-earned money would have been saved. That's where phone patrol comes in.
5: Remember when you had to make collect calls? Yes. 1-800 C- 1, 1-800-C-O-L-L-E-C-T, save a buck or two or three. Yeah. And that's what he was um, like. Um, why, why are you making a collect call anywhere else? Like th- that. That's what he played like a, a like a copper detective. You, you shouldn't do that. You're wasting money. This is what you need to do. And he would demand or he would uh, scold whoever was making a collect call anything else but you know, 1-800-collect. And it's right. He had like a trench coat and like sunglasses. And uh, that's, that's what, um, I mean, there were a couple of actors. I mean, throughout the time that they were uh, promoting it and making commercials, there were a couple of actors, but I remember him, he, he did it for a while. He did uh, two or three uh, commercials with it and, and it happened to be there. I remember. Yeah. I remember those too. The phone
4: patrol. That's what he called They called it the <laughs> collect phone patrol. I remember that.
3: Yeah. I remember like, I tried just standing on the corner, like just watching, like what was happening there. And this like uh, little girl, like, who was on the set, like, I guess, like, one of the set hands like that, she just, like, sort of, like... Pushed me from my stomach, and it's like, Get the hell out of here! Like like a group of you guys remember her?
5: It wasn't a girl, it was an older woman, and she had the headset on. and She's like,
6: Listen, I sorry, God, I need you to stand back, guys. Okay, we're gonna have to make some calls if you don't stand back. You gotta back up here, okay? And
5: you know, he he was about a good what maybe 30 feet away. We we got pretty
3: close. No, I'd say like about 20 feet away. Like, I I think at one point I was like, We were on the sidewalk, and he would. The car was parked right, you know, right on the curb. And he was on the passenger side, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So we were maybe about 20 feet away at most.
5: Yeah, there was was a lot of people there. She she sat, I mean, she was tiny too. She she was like five foot two, but she had a really loud voice. So like, and a headset. So I mean, she could just click that headset and call over a couple of guys with, uh, you know, big muscles at any moment, you know? So (laughs) we kind of kept a distance from her. All
3: right. So we'll we'll regale uh, Chris and our listeners with a couple of uh, electrical stories as we go along. So to our listeners, one of the reasons why we had Mike on here is that Mike, in addition to having a degree in electrical engineering, he's a fourth generation electrician. So for the B plot of this episode, I thought it would be great to have someone with electrical experience to weigh in on what, uh, on what was happening. Now, Alex is, we know, our beloved Alex is in the, uh, uh, he works for the power company, but I believe it's, uh, I actually, I guess we've never asked, uh, Chris, I don't think we've ever asked the question. It, like, I know he knows how to handle what would be considered high, um, High voltage lines. Right. But I don't know if he if he does electrical within a home. I guess it's a question we could ask him.
4: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think he, I don't I've never heard him mention doing it in homes. I know he he always works a lot after hurricanes and things like that on the power
5: lines and that type of thing because <laughs> he, he works some really long shifts. Hey, he's probably a linesman. So that's uh, yeah, they it, that's where it stops. I mean, our knowledge starts from the you know, from the pole into the house. His knowledge is from the pole to the rest of the grid. So um, I don't know anything about what he does, and he doesn't know anything about what we do. It's it's really different. You know, it's a different skill set. Hmm.
3: Okay. Interesting. All right. So let's get underway. So the title for this episode, User-Friendly, comes from the lie that every single piece of electronic equipment, like a TV, VCR, DVD player, <laughs> from that time period, used to advertise about itself. And I would say that that's still the same as true of modern-day equipment. I mean, think about it. Like, look at all the stuff that you can buy. And, you know, so if we go back to the 90s, you know, and let's say – and now we're talking about 1995. So I'm going to say this was the time period where they began the transition from VCRs to DVD players, correct?
5: Yeah, roughly, hey, yeah. I'd, I'd, I, say. I'd, I'd, I'd say you're right. I'd, I'd say – They were fairly, by the late 90s, I'd say DVDs were were very, very, very mainstream. And, you know, they stopped selling VCRs maybe by what, 99, 2000. They stopped selling them. Like you couldn't even find it. So it was, I'd say, almost ubiquitous with everybody by 2000 DVDs.
3: Right. Yeah. But you remember, like I used to say, it's like, oh, you know, it's easy to program your VCR. Like, just think about it. If you wanted to watch a show and, You know, like let's say it was a Sunday night and you wanted to watch Married With Children and you were out. So people could program their VCR in order to do that. But it was like, I mean, there was even a joke. You remember, uh, Chris, the joke with Vladdy at the beginning of season eight? Yep. It's like, she's like, uh, what does Kelly say? It's like, uh, I'm going to give you something to make your life easier. And he's like, like, you know, you're going to tell me how to program my VCR. Yep, that was it.
4: You got the line exactly right. Yep. (laughs)
3: yeah so anyway so i thought that's pretty funny
4: yeah i uh funny true story i i recently uh well this last year uh, in 2020 i tried to find a vcr because i came across some old because uh vcr tapes where i'd recorded some old basketball games and things like that so i was trying to find a vcr i found i i found two different ones at garage sales and got them home and neither of them worked. (laughs) I mean, they sort, I mean, they sort of worked, but they would eat up the tape and I
5: take forever to get,
4: yeah, I'd have to take forever to get the tape out of the, you know, the
5: VHS tape tape out of the VCR. So I was like, ah, tag with it. You know, these days, um, there's a lot of services. I mean, there only used to be one or two and now I even think maybe Costco does it, but you can take your old, uh, VCRs and they'll convert them into DVDs for you or any other media. I think that's the trend now. And it, it's, uh, you know, they'll put, you know, what your conventional tape would have like two hours on it. I, th- I think they could put several tapes on, on a DVD. So oh, okay. you know, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the trend now. Um, yeah yeah if you can find the tapes if you can find the tapes and and if the tapes haven't you know because of the environment if it's in a basement or something you gotta worry about that as well right if the tape melts or so
3: yeah i mean like those things are technically really not designed to last forever you know so uh unfortunately it's like if you have things like home movies uh you know or anything that especially you can't get a copy of. I mean, like in other words, if you have like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on VHS, it's like you can get a DVD in 4K nowadays, right? So you don't need to copy that. But if it's, you know, pictures of uh, you in diapers, uh, excuse me, movies, home movies of you in diapers, uh, you should probably look to get that stuff digitized because, you know, as time goes on, it's not just the media, like, you know, it's not just having a VHS player, it's also making sure that, you know, the quality of that tape doesn't uh, completely degrade, I mean, because those things will break. Yeah. So the episode opens with Kelly coming in the door. So Peg says, oh, Kelly, something horrible has happened. Hey, Mom. Oh, Kelly,
6: something horrible has happened. Okay, don't worry, Mom.
7: I'm going to call 911. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot the number. Oh God. Oh God.
3: Oh. <laughs> uh, Kelly, so this, you know, forgot 911 joke is a rehash of a joke that she said in the episode God's Shoes, season six, episode eight. So, Pegs of Merchandise is of a specific kind.
6: Kelly, it's okay. It's just that none of my shows are on. Look. I I turn to Oprah and I get monster trucking. I, I turn to Phil and it's midget wrestling. And look, I turn to Richard Bay and it's a wet t-shirt contest. Oh, wait a second. That is Richard Bay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, you know, obviously Oprah we all know about and, you know, she's constantly poked fun at during the course of the series. Phil, she's referring to Phil Donahue, who was really the pioneer in that space. And there have been references to Phil Donahue, but not as many as Oprah. Uh, And I think one of the things we noted earlier was that uh, Oprah really, the Oprah Winfrey show really started around the time that Married With Children came on the air. So I think the first... References to Peg watching these, you know, daytime talk shows was with Phil Donahue, and then they moved to Oprah. But you know, I think Chris, you and I have spoken about this even in season eight. It's like they pretty much talk about everybody. Yeah. By the time we get to the series end, and one of them was Richard Bay.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm gonna say, I feel like I was more I was aware of Richard Bay before Jerry Springer. And I don't know, Mike, do you, are you remembering it that way?
5: richard bay not as much phil donahue definitely jerry springer yeah but not not richard Bay. i mean i i've seen it but i don't think i've ever watched the episode or from start to finish richard bay but I, i know i know he did exist back then i just never watched it
3: yeah it was it was on for like six years according to this it was on from september of 1992 to december of 1996. so that corresponded with my years in high school Springer began in 1991, but originally aired in Chicago. And then it looks like it was syndicated the following year beginning in 92. So they were the exact same time then. Huh? Yeah, that's funny. I remember both of those shows
4: at that age. I wasn't really allowed to watch them much, <laughs> but I do remember Richard Bay. He, of course I snuck and watched stuff, you know, like any other kid, but I remember Richard Bay had some pretty wild, crazy stuff on. <laughs> I think this was kind of the time frame, Like we were talking about how, different hosts go through stretches where they're considered legitimate shows and then they go through stretches where they're like tabloid level stuff. I mean, I think like uh, another guy we spoke about before, Maury Povich, I think back in this era, Maury was, had a like a legitimate show, didn't he? I think.
3: That, yeah, that, A Current Affair. Yeah. yeah,
4: Current Affair. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And that was considered a, a pretty, you know, reputable, <laughs> respectful show, really.
5: Tempted, you know, investigative journalism, looking into different stories, but very, you know, ones that pull you in and that you, you know, you know, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this this is happening. But uh, I I remember Maury Povich's current affair. Uh, I remember that the the image of the it was a triangle and... I can't remember the, the, the exact name, but you know, to grab your attention.
4: Yeah, he now he's a guy who's definitely uh changed over the years now. And I yeah. mean, his stuff now is like rag level journalism. You are the father. <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> That's you know,
2: right.
5: right? <laughs> That's right.
3: Now on the Christmas episode that I was on with Team Australia in season eight, uh, we talked about midget tossing. So <laughs> I'll mix a, a reference to uh, midget wrestling. But, uh, you know, Chris, a few people have said to me, it's like, was that story really true. So I have actually Mike here who can confirm uh, the midget tossing story. So, Mike, do you want to just refresh our uh, listeners with that?
5: Yeah, I was there. A friend of ours was getting married, and his, his cousin was telling us what the activities for the bachelor party. And quite seriously, he did mention, like, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to go here and then, uh, you know, make do some midget tossing and, and uh, you know, arranging that. And, you know, both looked at each other, just looking around, saying, this, this, did he say exactly what we thought he was going to say? And, you know, I, I don't know how we thought that this would be entertaining or... <laughs> you know, fun to do for for a bachelor party, but... I, I
3: mean, I, I said if there were female midgets, you know, maybe it could be interesting, right? <laughs>
5: yeah. But it uh, tur- <laughs> turned out it wasn't... Uh, that, that, that never transpired, uh, thankfully. <laughs> it didn't happen.
3: So Al comes in and talks about the cable package that he's gotten for himself.
6: Hi, Peg.
2: <laughs> How
3: was Oprah?
6: Oprah wasn't on today,
3: Al. And she won't be on tomorrow either, Peg. Why? Because I had the cable company take her off,
6: see? The guy package?
3: With FemBlock. <laughs> see, it's a new service they offer men and some female tennis players. <laughs> Who are tired of watching girly crap? <laughs>
5: when Peg's all set about she can't find her shows when Al comes in and the look on his face hey did you see uh Oprah today did you have an interesting time seeing Oprah today you know you didn't why not you know why I know why that just that giddy look on his face was was priceless I I laughed really hard at that when he was doing that 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 (laughs) I I laughed because that's that's such a um I, I'll do that to my kids. If I have to reprimand my kids or I have to punish them with something, I'll, I'll do that with a show on YouTube or Disney plus. Hey, did you enjoy watching Disney plus today? Oh, you didn't. You know why? Because it's been canceled because you didn't clean your room or you whatever. So that was, that was priceless in itself. The way he came in. I thought that was great.
3: And Chris and uh, listeners, uh, so for reference, Mike is married with children, (laughs) and he is twice married with children in the sense that he has four children.
5: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I hope they're not
4: like Bud and Kelly. (laughs) Uh,
5: No, no. It's just, uh, it's a very, it's a very loud house. Uh, It's a very (laughs) messy house. And uh, I have three daughters and fortunately I have one boy. So at least I have somebody to commiserate with, but um, you know, he, he behaves well. He doesn't have much of a choice either. That's funny.
3: So, you know, your, your house, Mike, I would say, you know, as your girls get older, they probably would be very interested in a femme package, you know, so Al got the guy package. So I assume like they're blocking uh, uh, TV stations like lifetime. Uh, (laughs) uh, channel,
4: lifetime. (laughs) Hey, by the way, uh, before I forget, something I had in my notes. Is it just me or does Ed O'Neill's hair look darker than normal here? Hmm. Maybe it's just my TV, but when he walked in, I was like, his hair, especially when he first walked in, I was like, his hair looked darker than normal. Is it just me or did anyone else notice
3: that? I I didn't notice that, but we can go back and take a look.
4: Okay. Maybe it's just
3: my TV. All right. So uh, our listeners can uh, weigh in on that.
5: Just to uh, talk about the guy package, yeah, um, I just remember from uh, leaving now, it's starting to, they're getting a little older, the kids are getting a little older, but we didn't have the guy package, but maybe like the baby package, it's just that all of these kid shows are on all the time. Um, you know, just to entertain them. And, you know, you couldn't really watch anything else because, you know, somebody would be upset about it. So it felt like I had the the package, but it does make you go crazy. I, you know, when he gets down, another thing, when, he, when Al gets down, he's like, oh, I can't wait to watch this. He's it's now he doesn't he's not subjected to watch all this girl stuff this this women stuff my wife and i would we would turn on a movie or or you know something where it's just human beings interacting with each other we we'd get the same way like all right we don't have to watch cartoons anymore
3: so you know you you associate with that really easily now i mean if the guy package was real what do you think that would be like fx i'm going to say like i guess what are the guy stations on cable <laughs>
4: Well, for sure, you would have to have ESPN and sports, or you know, ESPN on there. I think that's a given. FX would be a good one. I would think HBO and Cinemax. I mean, those have, I mean, those have men and women stuff, but it had those have some. Showtime has boxing on it sometimes, from time to time.
3: Yeah, like maybe like vintage car restoration or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
4: definitely. Yeah, some car uh, stations that carry car shows. Fox, I would think, would be in the guy package. <laughs> 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 I don't know about you, but what do you guys think?
5: Well, I, I think to, to a certain extent, some of the home improvement shows, you see like homes on homes where you yeah. know, they're ripping apart. You know, you got to be careful with that because there's a lot of, what do you call it? A fixer upper, you know, you want to, that's more of like decorating stuff, home improvement. You you wanna you wanna watch you wanna separate the, the stuff where they're ripping stuff down and they're rebuilding it like five times stronger than it ever was. That's the kind of show that and they're using all these really cool tools and then, oh this tool does this and this tool can destroy a concrete block in two presses of a button. You know you wanna you wanna see that. So I guess you got to be careful what what kind of home improvement shows. But that definitely that would have to be on it.
3: I would put some. Let's put like a warning labels on that, Mike, because you can, if you, if you just so happen to be watching one of those home improvement shows and uh, your significant other comes and sits next to you, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Isn't that, isn't that a great idea of something we could do to our house?
5: (laughs) Hey, that's, that's, uh, that's happened before. So, yeah. Do
4: you guys ever watch HGTV? I I enjoy watching that, but sometimes I'm like, man, this is pretty unrealistic. It'll it'll show like a couple in their mid to late twenties, and they're like, yeah, our budget is like two million dollars, and we have five hundred thousand to spend on upgrades and repairs. I'm like, what? (laughs) You guys ever watch
5: HGTV?
3: Oh, yep, a lot, a
5: lot of it, a lot of it.
4: Uh, and I'm just when, like, I, when
3: I was married, Chris, I, I used to watch that a lot, too.
4: Okay. I mean, it's it's good. Show. It's fun to watch. But I'm like, who the hell in their mid to late 20s has a budget like that? How many people I know.
3: <laughs> well, but, you know, but it's not just that. It's like it's not just the budget. And you're absolutely right about that. But the, the second part is, is that on in a 30-minute show, they make it seem as if, the renovations or the stuff that they're going to do can be done in 30 minutes. Like in other words, like your whole perception of time in terms of the amount of time it takes to do something is completely skewed. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, because all of a sudden it's like, you know, this is project that really is going to take three months. Yeah. And you know what they don't show you is like, if you're living in a house and renovating it, like the dust and the dirt, the constant mess that you have until it's actually done.
5: Right. They, it, uh, they, and they point out, it's like, you know, it, it is eight to 12 weeks. You're right. I mean, they, they can only squeeze so much in an hour show, but they try to put down, okay, four weeks later six weeks later in, into the, right. you know, to try to give you some kind of perspective of what it is, you know, to really appreciate what, what is done. You, you, you miss a lot of that,
3: the hour. Right. I feel like that's the fem block that we get nowadays. It's like, nobody pays attention to that when they say four weeks later. Yeah.
4: <laughs> you know, I wonder the, the couples that go on that show, HGTV, I wonder if the network actually gives them money to renovate the house. Cause Part of me thinks so like, all right, how do they find this many people that have that huge of a budget? And then the second part is like, well, if I'm going to go on your show, you sh- should give me something. You know what I mean? If we're going to show the, you know, if we're going to tear my house apart and tear down this wall and throw up that wall and do this and that with the front of the, you know what I mean? Like, I always wonder. That's something we could Google. <laughs> do they do they give the uh, participants of the HGTV show money uh, to go on? And maybe
5: that goes towards the budget. You know what I mean? I, I'm sure there is some kind of compensation. They try to keep it as real as, as, as possible with, uh, well, you have this amount of budget and that, but th- there has to be something because you're, you're using their, their image and they're, you know, they're going to the, to the house and this is going to be on national TV. I, I think that, you know, you have to sign off your rights for that, their you know, privacy rights. So I, I'm sure there's got to be something. I don't think it's a tremendous amount, but th- there, right. there is something.
3: See, <laughs> pig it's my week off and I want to spend it watching quality TV.
6: Oh, you mean like Monster Movies, Jiggly Shows, and The Three Stooges? Certainly.
5: (laughs) And now, the exciting conclusion of the centerfold Weed Whacker Murders on the Guy Channel.
3: (laughs) So, uh, Monster Movies, Jiggly Shows, and The Three Stooges. Now, you know, again, now, the character of Al Bundy, having really grown up in the 50s and having been in high school in the 60s, I mean, if you remember... Chris, I don't know if you might remember this, but Mike, I think you probably do. Uh, in the 80s, if you watched uh, some of our independent channels in the area where we lived, you would see things like the old Godzilla movies and uh, like Dracula. These would be like on the independent TV stations the non-network stations. Like for us, it would have been Channel 9 or Channel 11, like on Saturdays and Sundays. But, you know, they were very common back then. And it's the kind of thing that someone of that age would watch.
5: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Godzilla. I mean, how many Godzilla movies did they make? But um, I definitely remember watching those. That's right. Yeah.
3: it's so not something that's as common today. I just felt like, you know, when I flip through cable, like I really don't see that stuff unless maybe there is like some sort of like horror cable station. And again, you know, I know Alex and uh, the old crew, <laughs> they would be all over this. So <laughs> uh, not really something in my wheelhouse, but just curious, so Chris, you know, uh, any thoughts on that? Not a
4: lot. Uh, I have seen some of the um, some of the three Stooges, some of the really old episodes. those are classics. Hey, so I got a funny story for you. Um, since you mentioned Godzilla, as many of you guys know, I got furloughed, you know, I'm a flight attendant, I got furloughed last year. so my fellow flight attendants, uh, we got all types of random jobs. Uh, I, I actually did some clinical trials myself, but, one of my fellow flight attendants got a job working for a Hollywood executive office there in Hollywood, and he actually transported the original Godzilla costume to someone. Uh, someone bought it, some, some random person in Nashville, Tennessee. He actually, flew, he actually transported the original Godzilla costume to a buyer in Tennessee. I thought wow. that was pretty funny. I,
3: I wonder what like, something like that would cost, just out of curiosity, right?
4: God only knows. I should have asked him. I should have asked him, wait, hey, what, what that person pay for that. <laughs> but I, I'm sure I'm sure it's a lot because people, people who collect stuff, you know, that have huge collections, like, I'm assuming the person who bought it is some sort of extreme super fan of Godzilla, you know, and they probably have everything you can imagine Godzilla wise. So people that collect stuff like that, they're willing to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to get their hands on it, you know?
3: Yeah, Uh, probably tens of thousands of
4: dollars, I would say, right? Yeah, absolutely.
3: So Al says that this guy package, it's a surface that they offer to men and some female tennis players who are tired of watching girly crap. (laughs) 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 Now, if you remember, there was a joke that was made in the episode in season eight when Al goes to the nudie bar. This is Dances with Wheezy. You remember Chris, like they're in the bar and he says, you know, this is uh it's Martina Navratilova." I think that was uh who who they were joking on. So I feel like that's their referencing here.
5: Yep. Yeah. And I still can't say her name right. Navr- <laughs> uh, these- I think it's Na- Navratilova. Navratilova? That's her name.
3: That's- Navratilova. Yeah. Navratilova. All these
5: years later, <laughs> I still can't say her name. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so I mean, they're cruel. I, I I mean, I guess like, you know, we've always heard like the female gym teacher uh, jokes. So <laughs> they're just, you know, <laughs> continuing on with that stereotype. Yep. So we hear on screen, and now the exciting conclusion of the centerfold weed whacker murders on the Guy Channel. So what they did was they put together the whole monster movies, Jiggly show <laughs> Jiggly shows and Three Stooges into one movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Peg goes over to Marcy's,
7: You can really be insensitive sometimes.
3: I know. Keep it down, Pumpkin. <laughs> See, this is the part where the camp counselor sprains her knee running away from the Lizard King. She doesn't have any bandages, so she has to cut strips from her already too short skirt. <laughs> now, this is the part I gotta ask you to leave, Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah that that happens uh that happens a lot there's a lot of stuff that we watch uh you know my wife and I watch it's a little bit later at night and you know some of the kids are coming over and what are you watching and they're like oh stuff that you can't watch right now you know and, or they just you know they, they'll say something with some kind of sexual connotation or and and they don't understand and well,
6: what does he mean by that what does she mean by that
5: um you know, you're just trying to come up with something to, to, to say and sometimes oh, I'll explain it to you later. That works sometimes, but then they just hang around and, and, and then you have to be really forceful. I'm like, listen, could, could, could you just leave right now? Could you go?
3: <laughs> and they just don't understand. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah,
3: because I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you tell a kid, it's like, oh, you can't watch this. What do they want to do? want to watch it. They want to see what it, they want to see what it is that they can't see. Yeah, yep. It's just funny that she's, you know,
5: Kelly's a lot older, you know, he still feels, you know, his pumpkin still trying to protect her, you know, her, <laughs> her virgin brain, you know, not to see that, you know, or makes him feel uncomfortable. Meanwhile, you know, <laughs> I tell you guys what, if you guys ever want an eye opener,
4: sit down sometime and watch uh, some classic Looney Tunes episodes or uh, like Animaniacs. I don't know if you ever watched that, but that was a show, a cartoon I watched as a kid. Yep. But there are so many adult references in it that as a seven, eight year old kid, you would never get. <laughs> of course, it goes right over your head, but there are so many adult and sexual references in, like even Looney Tunes and stuff, you know, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, things like that. Watch it as yeah. an adult and you'll see it a lot differently.
1: Yeah.
5: And, and you know what? I think there's been somewhat of a, uh, I don't want to say banned, but, but uh, a little bit of a restriction because they're very hard to come by. Like you don't see a lot of those reruns, even if, you know, I, I don't know what cable packages or else are out there, but I know where we are, you you, you know, they have some nostalgic, you know, like a Nick and Knight type of channel where they show older shows, but it's hard to find Looney Tunes. I, and, and same, I, I, rem, I remember you, You know, watching the same uh, Looney Tunes, um, Animaniacs that I remember that as a a kid. That was probably later later on, but the Looney Tunes from the fifties and sixties, and yeah, it's pretty explicit with a lot of the a lot of the stuff. So, but but like I said, it's it's hard to find it. Like it's, and I don't know if you watch it, I I'd I'd feel a little bit apprehensive to. I'd want to screen it first before showing my kids saying, "Yeah, this is what we grew up with." You know, I even feel a little you know apprehensive about it. So.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny you
5: mentioned that because I haven't heard a lot about Looney Tunes,
4: but some of the other cartoons like Tom and Jerry, I know, have been not really, I guess, banned isn't the correct word. But they've been edited, I guess you could say, because they had some what a lot of people perceived as uh, racist jokes and uh, racist images and things like that. A lot of times when you're watching if if you if you are able to to watch some of the the originals, you have to remember, well, okay, this came out in the fifties and the sixties and things like that. Uh, the world was a much different place then, but I know that's the reason that some of them have been banned and or edited or hard to find
3: yeah now Chris, you know earlier you know you had said that when you watched this episode first run, I mean you were more interested in the B plot right. So, I mean, it goes to show you, like, even this episode, for example, so for a kid, you know, you're probably going to love the slapstick of, you know, Alan Jefferson and Bob Rooney and Griff, you know, getting electrocuted. But, you know, as you get older, it's like you're really paying attention more to the A plot.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I didn't really get a lot of the sexual references on this episode between Bud and Amber, but I loved the scenes with Al Jefferson and Bob Rooney.
3: So Bud enters and notices that Al has bought the Guy Package, with FemBlock.
1: Guy Package dead. With FemBlock, son. (laughs) Kelly, guess what? I've been chosen to be in a research study about human behavior.
7: So where do you fit in?
1: Well, unlike you in the front seat of a car. That's another story. The point is, they're paying me 300 bucks, which should earn me first-class passage on the old Amber Airlines.
7: Yeah, like she's really knocking down the door to see you again after your little movie theater popcorn trick.
3: (laughs) So I think you know probably Chris with your prof- current profession you probably like that joke, huh?
4: Yeah, I, I love all the airlines jokes. It's kind of funny. This show has a lot of more so in the first half of the series. I think you know the first probably five or six seasons. This show has a lot of stewardess jokes as they call them, and I always laugh at them. You know, a lot of a lot of flight attendants are uptight or whatever get offended, but I laugh at them. I think
3: they're funny. <laughs> oh, the the cherry sisters. Yeah, episode? exactly.
5: Yeah, I, I I think that episode's hilarious. And it looks like he's getting uh, $300. That's, that's a big chunk of change for a, uh, you know, for a sex experiment, right? That, that seems pretty, even back then, I'd say, you know, <laughs> it's great.
3: <laughs> so K- uh, Kelly says, yeah, like she's really knocking down the door to see you again after that little movie theater popcorn trip. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, so what do you think that trick was? <laughs> Any, anyone want to take a stab at it? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs>
5: It's you know the the classic you know arm over your the the uh, person's shoulder right and right isn't that it to to grab into the the popcorn bucket but your hand accidentally slips right above the popcorn bucket you know right, right on the chest yeah that that makes sense yeah that right? makes sense because
3: he keeps talking about Hong Kong <laughs> right. Hong Kong oops
5: I missed, you know oops <laughs> I'm trying to get some popcorn but oops I just bumped into you you know. <laughs>
3: So in comes the lovely Amber. Hi,
0: bud. Hi, Kelly. Hi, hey, Amber, what's up? Your mom needs her TV guide. She says it's in the room of Broken Promises. <laughs> uh, that would be in her bedroom. Okay.
3: <laughs> so, Chris, I was listening to our interview with her again. I mean, that was amazing.
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, she's, she's really fun to talk to. She's very down to earth you know she's made a very good professional life for herself uh, beyond acting as a doctor as a chiropractor i think we both pointed out you know she's aged incredibly well and she sounds exactly the same too i mean she sounds like she could go play amber on married with, married with grandchildren right now <laughs> and looks like it too
3: <laughs> yeah you know the one thing i mean two things i'll say you know that i really got out of that uh, out of our interview with her uh, she's extremely well spoken i was very I mean, I'm not going to say surprised, but I mean, I was very impressed by how well-spoken she is. And I know that that's a function of what she does for a living as well. And Mm -hmm. she does present and she, I mean, she teaches. In other words, like teaching Pilates or teaching people things. I mean, it requires, I think, better communication skills than uh, even we have here on this podcast, right? But the, the second thing, you know, what I really got, and I think that should be understood by the fan base, it's like, you know, Dr. Tablik, and this is what I'm going to refer to it her as, because that's exactly who, you know, what she is today. Uh, she, I guess from her perspective, what I got out of that interview was that, you know, that those four episodes were four weeks of work for her, you know, 26 years ago. You know, there were four weeks out of her life, and then she just moved on and had a life and career. So to fans like us of the show, it's like, you know, we watch and re-watch these episodes, and, you know, we see these characters, and I guess for like myself, it's like they're almost like frozen in time for us, but the same way that, you know, we're not frozen in time, the where where we were 26 years ago, it's like, you know, things have moved on for her. So, yeah, I I think that was, uh, it was very poignant for me to to understand that, but I mean, she was a great interview. We're very happy to have her, and we really wish her success. So, you know, I think as I said on the podcast uh, where we interviewed her, I mean, you should go check her out uh, go check out what she's done, you know, check out her business out in Los Gatos, California when you get a chance and give her a like. And especially, you know, if you live in that area and if you need some chiropractic work or Pilates work, I mean, especially for our female fans, because she did say that uh, most of her patients are women. It's like, uh, just give, uh, you know, go send her some love from the married children the family. Yeah, definitely. So in walks Amber and she's looking for Peg's TV guide. And Amber says, uh, she says that it's a room of broken promises. (laughs) Kelly says that would be the bedroom. Oh, God. So Bud tries to make amends with Amber.
1: Amber, my sweet. Uh, It has come to my attention that I may have been a bit forward with you in the past.
0: You mean, like, when you grabbed my shirt and went honk-honk?
1: Yeah. And I was thinking that maybe I could make it up to you this weekend. Your pants are mine.
0: You're amazing. Where do you learn this kind of behavior?
3: No, you can't hide under the tree stump. He can
2: burrow! Don't you see? He's half (laughs) mole.
0: Anyway, for your information, a woman is more than a loose assortment of body parts put here for your entertainment. We have minds, too. Hey, guys,
2: this
7: is so funny. What a great idea. Look, Beverly Hills, (laughs) 90,210. Boy, they must be really dumb. That far in the future, they're still in high school. (laughs)
2: Look,
1: Amber, Amber. I do respect your mind. I just respect it even more if it would bounce gently when you walk.
3: <laughs> and Al's, so Al's watching this movie, the, um, the centerfold weed whacker murders. So I was trying to figure this out. Uh, again, maybe help me out with this guy. So he's saying, Al says, no, you can't hide under the tree stump. He can burrow. Don't you see? He's half mole. So I don't know, like a weed whacker with a mole. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like the I feel like the imagery was a little off on that one.
5: It, it I think it just tries to, you know, uh, give a description of what these horror movies were were about. You know, they're have these ridiculous plots just so you could watch them. They're always stupid plots. They're always, you know, low budget. I mean, I mean, think about going back to Godzilla again as some guy, you know, a miniature city was built and a guy in you know, a Blizzard costume was just walking around and and stomping on it, you know. So, you know, anything to be different than, you know, or, or strange or weird, just so you'd say, oh well, that, that looks different. Let's see what that's about,
3: you know. So I, I think that's where that comes from. So Kelly comes back down with a TV guide, and she notes that there's a show called Beverly Hills 90,210. <laughs> <laughs> So Beverly Hills 90210, uh, as we all should know, is an American team drama television series created by Darren Starr and produced by Aaron Spelling under his production company, Spelling Television. The series ran for 10 seasons on Fox from October 4th, 1990 to May 17th, 2000, and is the longest running show produced by Spelling. It is the first of six television series in the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise and follows the lives of a group of friends living in the upscale and star-studded community of Beverly Hills, California, as they transition from high school to college and into the adult world. 90210 refers to one of the city's five zip codes.
4: It's kind of funny. I, uh, I've i been to Beverly Hills there in LA before, and uh, you know, I was just reading your notes. I, I I'm going to sound pretty dumb here, but I, did, I, I guess I thought 90210 was the only zip code there, <laughs> but as you said here, there's five zip codes in Beverly Hills.
3: I guess it's the main one. Yeah. You know, I, I was in California. I was in the LA area. I'm going to say this was around 2005 and uh, I sort of rented a car. I was out there on business. And I had like a day off and I took the I drove around the whole L.A. area in the middle of the day because I know it's impossible to drive during rush hour. Right. And I drove through Beverly Hills. And I think really, you know, for those of you who may be not familiar with Beverly Hills or in terms of your vision of what it is, it's like, you know, you, you, you think that you're driving through Beverly Hills and you're supposed to see all these palatial estates, but actually you don't. I mean, pretty much every home has a wall built around it. Yeah. As you drive through the streets, all you're really looking at are these beautiful walls, but you really don't necessarily see the home that's behind the wall. Right. Yeah,
5: that's, you're, you're right. I mean, I, uh, my last visit out there was, I think, 2017, I think, driving around. Yeah. They, it, it, they're not, they're really nice houses. They're not huge, like 10,000 square foot mansions, you know, and I guess in some places, but it's, I, you're right. There's, there's a, there's a lot of walls. There's a lot of gates. Yeah.
4: Yeah. The, (laughs) the the walls are there to keep people like us out.
3: (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So Bud says, look, Amber, I do respect your mind. I just respect it even more. If it would bounce gently when you walk.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Just the one track mind. It's, it's,
3: (laughs) oh man cut to the chase (laughs) Yeah, you know and I feel remiss it's like I think when we spoke to Juliette Chris I thought you know she really had like I think a great great sense of humor but I, I think you know I'd asked her about like wardrobe choices because I was like you know I mean were you okay with like what they asked you to wear and she seems to not have minded at all but I was just curious it's like you know like if she I assume she appreciated the humor I mean just the fact that I think she was laughing at some of the lines
4: yeah definitely uh well like she said as far as the wardrobe goes a lot of it is the stuff that you know that was in in the mid 90s you know they were they were in that was the type of stuff she wore Uh, i think she said at least on an episode or two she even wore her own shoes during the taping so
3: (laughs) i mean like for me i you know i sort of had to go to the slip i was less interested in like what she was wearing like her regular day clothes in the last episode we saw amber uh, the Friar Tuck one, fried chicken one, uh, a couple episodes back. And uh, this one, it's like she's wearing like a nightgown.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I mean, she's wearing like bottom, you know, uh, bottoms that are, I mean, it's not open. In other words, like, it's almost like she's wearing like these lace shorts underneath it. But I mean, they're they're fairly revealing and it's like, okay, I mean, for a girl, it's like, hey, you know, like you're we're, you're going to be very scantily clad and you're wearing this. It's like, I mean, I, I would think that maybe some women might be like, I don't know if I want to wear that, you know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, she said that she didn't have a problem with it, so that, that was interesting. Yeah.
7: Mmm, smooth. <laughs> Kelly,
1: what am I missing?
7: Well, why don't we make this quicker and talk about what you've got?
1: Okay, well, then what have I got?
7: Nothing. See how quick that was? <laughs>
3: So Bud and Kelly go up the stairs, and Kelly says that uh, Bud has really nothing to offer. So Jefferson walks in.
5: Oh, God. Save me, Al. I walk in the door after a hard day of billiards, and what do I see? Peggy and Marcy sitting on the couch watching, on Oprah, women who support men. Where do they find these losers? You got anything to eat? Check the traps.
3: Where do they find these losers? (laughs) I guess he's not looking in the mirror, huh? Right. (laughs) And then he asks, like, you got anything to eat? And Al just says very nonchalantly, check the traps. Oh, man. Uh, that gets me. I, mean, I think that was... That, that's a comedy gold. Right it there. is. It's, it's quick.
5: It's short and quick, but hysterical.
3: So Jefferson notices something that he's never seen before. And to the Married With Children fans, we've never seen this before.
2: Hey, Al. You know,
1: I've always been meaning to ask you, what does a switch do? I don't know. Get over
6: here and sit down. <laughs> That's your problem, you know that? Huh. You don't know how to relax.
3: Mm. The hell does that switch do? <laughs> so now we cut to <laughs> Al and Jefferson attempting some electrical work.
2: <laughs> Jefferson. See what happens when you pull this blue wire.
3: <laughs> so Mike, so what, what what are your uh impressions on uh, what's going on there on screen? Okay.
5: Well, it's not unrealistic of what they're doing, because if I had a diagnose and I've been on uh, a couple of jobs, I, I, uh, I do have a, um, my, uh, my father was an electrical uh, contractor in, in New York. My grandfather was my great grandfather was, uh, my great grandfather, he started replacing or was responsible for replacing a lot of the gas lights into electric. So that that's how far back, uh, generations of electricians I am. I, I am a licensed contractor, uh, here in New Jersey. So, you know, Looking at this, you know, if a customer called and, you know, they didn't know what, what kind of switch were it controlled or whatever, it's not an unrealistic to what they were doing, uh, opening the box, and as Al was looking at one switch, Jefferson was looking at the other one, and, you know, you, you just go box to box and try to find out where these, where these switches were connected. Now, of course... I'd turn the power off. I'd find out what, you know, room I'd have to go down to the breaker box and, and, and turn off the, the whatever circuit I thought it was, or try to uh, determine which one it was. I turned it off first, but, but this is the, this is the realistic thing. This is what you would, you would do. I know we referenced a blue wire. Uh, there's, there's no blue wire in residential uh, electrical. Uh, it's black and white. It's the hot and neutral and sometimes a red for, uh, you know, multiple circuits for three-way switches. And, um, the uh, the amount of wire that's in the box is a little unrealistic. You don't leave two feet of wire hanging out like that. But, you know, of course, just to just to see what, what they're doing. And, you know, when he's pulling back, I think that was funny. He was trying to pull back. He pulled back on this wire and it pulls uh, out towards the wall of where it was working. The wires are not that loose in the... In, in the wall, maybe before you board everything up, but, but, but they're, they're, they're doing, they're doing the right thing. I mean, they're missing some equipment too. I mean, you should have some kind of a continuity tester. How do you, can you, do you see which wires are connected where, but uh, they're, they're, they're doing the brute force approach of, of trying to find this thing out.
3: Now, a couple of things. I, I, so Mike, you know, you've, so, if, you know, for the audience, you know, Mike has actually taught me a lot about electrical wiring. So I know a lot, but obviously I learned from the best who's Mike and so you know the series takes place in chicago now in you know in the new york city area you know bx is what is used for wiring although i believe i mean the most common thing in the united states is romex so that would what would be used let's say in texas where chris is from now my understanding is in the chicago area it's all what's the correct term it's all piped correct in other words, I, I don't believe I don't believe they can use Romex, and I don't believe they can use BX in Chicago. Is that correct?
5: I'm uncertain about what the codes are like in Chicago. I I, uh, I would assume that they're allowed to use Romex, which is the um, they call it NM cable, which is just a, uh, a very hard plastic rubber that covers the wires, the black and the white. Uh, the uh, and the ground that you can pass through the through the um, you know through the studs in the wall. I, I think it's allowed out there I think New York had its own uh, New York was very very strict um, it, it had its own code which you use the BX so you might it's the armored cable it's that it, it's the, uh, the the helically wound metal that surrounds it to protect it uh, but even then it's it's becoming a little bit more towards Romex these days so there's the National Electric code which is the the that's the that's the that's the floor it must meet that requirement each city or each each town can um you know they can determine what what level of if they want to beef it up and make it stricter they can they can do that as well so uh, but I'm, I'm not sure about chicago i don't i don't i don't know what they have but I, I would assume that it's it's probably in line with the using romex which is looks like what they were using out there although uh in the show although it just looked like random wires that were all bent and uh uh you know, <laughs> you know.
6: 6 billion men on the planet and we didn't marry any of them come on al call an electrician i will not
3: just because someone calls himself an electrician doesn't mean he knows any more about electricity than the average guy Just as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you know, this touches a little bit on uh, what the stuff that guys do. So uh, you know, Chris, like I, I can speak for like Mike and myself. Uh, so the two of us and our college buddies, like you know, we we're like weekend warriors like we've in the past helped each other out do things like electrical and plumbing you know at each other's homes you know after we graduated college or even at some of our parents' homes when uh, the need arose so i don't know this this sort of like hits home with me because we do these things where it's like hey i mean like how many times it's like you know you're at a couch and it's like hey like you want to take a look at this switch over here and it's like people actually, you know, get up. Oh, they, oh this is quick. It's like five minutes and all of a sudden like, you know, three toolboxes get opened up and you know, it's an hour long thing. It's like, they figure out, it's like, you know, everything you need to know about the switch, what it does, and doesn't do. But I mean, does it seem realistic to you?
4: I guess. I mean, I I've certainly done, uh, you know, I'm a homeowner. I've done my fair share of home repairs. Most of them are pretty minor, <laughs> but I, I don't typically touch electricity <laughs> Mainly because I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to burn the house down or electrocute myself. But I've done some minor repairs. I mean, I replaced my, um, I replaced my hot water heater. I uh, replaced my dishwasher, which was really easy. You just put it in, plug it in, and hook it up. But the dishwasher or the uh, hot water heater was a achievement, I guess you could say. I also figured out I had a really quirky problem going on with my garage door, where it was working fine about 80% of the time, but uh, probably another 20% of the time it wasn't closing all the way or it would go halfway down and then go back up that type of thing. But I started to notice a pattern that it was only messing up during the day when the sun was out. So I Googled and I just went straight to Google. I was like, my garage door messes up whenever the sun is out. And what happened was that, uh, Like my house is over 10 years old now and the laser beams start to wear out. And if the sun is shining on them, it won't close all the way. So I just found this really neat online remedy where I cut this little piece of cardboard out and place it on the front side of the laser to block the sun. Anyways, it works fine now, (laughs) but I never would have figured without the use of Google, I would have probably paid someone two or 300 bucks to come out and do that. (laughs) Or I probably would have paid a lot more than that because they would have, um, wanted to replace the entire garage or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I figured out a few things. I've replaced the flushing assemblies in my toilets, uh, the hose bibs on my water hose faucets, but I don't typically touch electricity. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't mess with that.
5: Yeah, I'd like to say I'm the opposite. I'll I'll touch anything wiring, but the plumbing I stay away from. <laughs> I'm the direct opposite. And maybe we
3: could start our own contracting yeah. company, uh, right? Yeah, now.
5: I mean I'll <laughs> I'll do that. I mean I'm I'm impressed replacing the water heater. That's that's a big feat, you know. I, I replace the element in there, but that's that's big because those things are bulky and I don't know. Uh, I'm always worried that I'm not going to seal it correctly. So that's that's great. Just as a general rule, with plumbing for me, I'll replace fixtures. I don't add pipe. If you know, if you get what I'm saying, like I'll replace fixtures, like faucets and, and some minor stuff, like the, the P-trap, I'll do that, but I'll never build out another faucet somewhere or another piece of pipe anywhere, or like, you know, where it involves sweating or, or whatever. So that's my general rule with, with plumbing.
4: Hey, you know, I, um, another thing I did that I'm, I'm really glad I did now, uh, cause it's been over a year now and it's still working fine is uh, I did a minor roof repair on the top of my house. I'm not you know I have no fear of heights or anything like that. and uh, I, I went up in my attic because I started no- noticing some spots on the you know the, my sheetrock in my ba- in my master bathroom. so I knew I had a leak and but I could tell it was very minor because I mean it was the water was just barely bleeding through. And I went up in my attic and I looked and it was like about every sixty seconds or so, and this is when it was raining, about every sixty seconds or so a little bead of water would drip through almost like a little eyedropper or something, you know? So I knew the leak was very minor. And I went up on the roof of my house. I, I got some flex seal, you know, like you see in those commercials and yeah, I the sure. house and it was pretty much kind of guess where I thought the spot might be. <laughs> and I just kind of sprayed it. I had a pretty good measurement of where it was going to be. Actually, I did it wasn't a guess, but I sprayed it. I mean, I sprayed it really, really well. And uh, we're over a year now and it's still, I mean, there's been no leak since then. So my homeowner's insurance, the deductible is 2000 bucks. So I was like, well, I'll try this $15 uh, can of Flex Seal and see what happens. If it doesn't work, I'll call someone and we're over a year later now and not a leak. So I'll take credit for that.
5: Um, I got to yeah. confess, I, um, I made a minor repair on my roof with Flex Seal as well. And uh, oh, you- <laughs> yep, just like, yeah, just like you, I, No problem since. So it speaks for itself. That's minor repair. I'm not sure if the professionals use it, but um, I agree. I mean, uh, Chris, what you're saying is right. You know, I I have another buddy of mine that, you know, we do, he does same thing, home improvement projects and to to our abilities, to the limit of what we can do or we can't do. And he has another general saying, you know, we always like to save money. I mean, it's amazing what, what YouTube and Google, it's like you said, you, you do a search and there's somebody who has done, I mean, you have this network where somebody even hundreds of miles away has had the same exact problem as you did. And now you can do it and not have to call anybody to come, come fix it and spend money. So that, that's a tremendous resource. We have now, yeah. he has a, a saying that, you know, when, when you see somebody doing something, you know, like let's say it's beyond your scope, you know, like plumbing, you know, I, I, I don't want to do it or roofing, you know, I I don't, I don't know exactly what to do and the amount of research that it's going to take me. I don't know if I'm going to do it right. You always want to look at the person and, and say, okay, you know, I'm paying this guy this amount of money. And when he's done, you always want to say, wow, I'm really glad I got this guy to to do this because I would not know how to do this. You know, I'm glad I paid the money. You always want to be like that. You don't want to be, yeah. After the fact, seeing the guy do something, take him five minutes, paying him $500 and saying, man, you know, I could have done that myself. You know, you always want to right. be in the first situation.
3: Yeah. But, you know, I guess the point you know, I was trying to make before is, you know, I mean, I guess, Mike, the like how many projects have we done? I mean, I could say we've probably done maybe half a dozen Projects over the last maybe twenty years, yeah, in our houses, where, our parents' houses, where, where it was like, and and some of them actually started. It's like we're sitting on a couch. It's like, hey, like, what if I did this, right? And 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 you go down that rabbit hole. And like I said, all of a sudden, a couple of toolboxes come out, and like two hours later, it's like. Like we're deep into okay, what the what the hell is this thing doing? Like I think that's sort of what we're seeing <laughs> on the screen. It's like that that I mean they're touching on these are the things that the guys want to do and we don't want to call for help. Right. It's like let's figure it out ourselves. Yeah. So and we'll talk and we'll talk about the Time Life series books in a second because you did touch on that. So now we cut into Bud in the Cyber Sex Laboratory. We're introduced to the character of sandy and sandy is played by elaine hendrix now note here we have from the great annabelle over in adelaide australia is that elaine hendrix was david faustino's then girlfriend and the actress will reappear in season 11 lesbie friends
0: mr bundy i'm sandy welcome to our study on human sexuality We're going to be exploring your deepest desires in our cybersex experiment. We are? Well, if that's okay. Because some people are shy and... Aren't we an eager beaver? Now, I have something for you to put on.
1: Uh, well, no need. I'm, I'm already wearing one.
0: I think we're a tad confused, bud. You see, you will be wearing this as you enter a world of virtual reality. And based on your answers to our survey, we will create your ideal sexual experience.
1: I, I see, I see. So, so technically speaking, who will I be boinking? <laughs> your image
0: of the perfect mate ah
1: that shouldn't be a problem but who, who's going to hold the magazine
3: though <laughs> <laughs> so i think we've established that bud walks around with a condom on at all times huh well the
2: the funny thing
4: i gathered yeah that's funny the other funny thing i gathered from that was that I think in his mind, he thought he was actually going to have sex with either her or someone else because, <laughs> I mean, he took his clothes off and and he noted that he already has a condom on. So did he actually think he was going to have sex with a with a, a real person?
3: <laughs> I'll tell you, man. I mean, even if he thought he was going to have sex with her, man, that was quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was
4: not shy. He was ready to go.
3: Uh, so Sandy gives him this suit that he needs to put on.
0: Okay, one more wire, and we'll be all hooked up.
1: We're hooked up.
0: this is Dr. Kessler. He created this experiment. Dr. Kessler, this is Bud Bundy. Uh,
1: look, Dr. Kessler, I don't mean to doubt your little, uh, your little pleasure pouch here. But see, you're dealing with a guy who's had the real thing more times than there are stars in the sky. There are more than four stars in the sky, Mr. Bundy.
2: I'm sure
1: once you get away from the city and you
2: can... We'll
3: monitor his vital
1: signs from the next room. I have a feeling it could get ugly in here. Doc, the point is, nothing can duplicate the real thing. I mean, there's not a machine in the world that can actually recreate it.
3: So she says, your image of the perfect mate, that shouldn't be a problem, but who's going to hold up the magazine? <laughs> 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 you know, uh, on uh, one of the, uh, on one of, I think the, I'm not sure if it was uh, the first episode of season eight, but it was one of the last episodes that Alex was on. I'm thinking, or and Alex had made this comment. It was like, there was a very subtle joke about, you know, like, don't hurt yourself on the staples. You know, uh you remember that one, uh, Chris? I'm trying to remember which episode was that. I, I I'm drawing a blank, but I remember like Alex had made a comment that it was like there was one specific joke that he liked and it was uh, that he liked, and it was about uh, you know don't hurt yourself on the staple. So I mean, it's like that joke made its uh, re- you know reared its head again uh, in this episode. So I thought ah, that was okay. pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. Now, you know, now this is what's interesting. So they're calling it a cyber sex experiment. Now, technically what Bud is, is experiencing is virtual reality. Because I mean, I think what we would call cyber sex today is different than what have been, would have been described in 1995.
5: Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, you would say it's about the the message boards and, you know, dirty talk back and forth through the messaging.
3: That That's what, you know cyber we know it, what it is today yeah you know? yeah right i mean this i would say is more virtual reality sex right yeah
5: yeah
4: i agree when i think of cyber sex i think of like i mean just i'm just thinking back like to you know high school days and stuff with aol instant messenger you know like i don't know if you guys remember asl do you guys remember that for like age sex location did you guys use that that acronym that acronym or not ASL. Nah, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> but when I think of cyber sex, I think of like, like Mike just said, you know, dirty talking with people and message boards on AOL mes- instant messenger and things like that. This is definitely not that this is virtual reality sex. I mean, does this, does this actually exist in real life now? I mean,
3: well, you know, I, I did a little bit of research on this because, you know, one of the things we said when Juliet Tablik was on our show, you know, Pretty much what we saw on screen in 1995 would have been considered almost like science fiction. But today, it's really science fact. And when I looked into the the world of virtual reality, I mean, believe it or not, it had its origins back in the 70s. Wow. And this was something that uh, had been worked on in NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So, again, mid to late 70s. and. There were some games in 1991, Sega announced a Sega VR headset for arcade games, Hmm. you know, and I wasn't really a big gamer, but, uh, you know, in doing my research, it was like, well, that it was a thing. So uh, there was also like a virtual boy console. Nintendo had something in 1995.
4: I I had the virtual boy console.
3: You, You did that. Okay. Yeah, I had that. But I mean, again, you know, very primitive by today's standards correct
4: right oh absolutely yeah the virtual boy was i have to admit i think did, did you ever actually play it i can't remember if you did. no okay. i didn't No, the, the virtual boy by all reasonable measures was a flop <laughs> they so nintendo i think the virtual boy was sort of to fill the gap in between the super nintendo and the launch of the n64 because we know the n64 was a huge commercial success it's it's a you know, a legendary console, but I think PlayStation had started to steal a lot of Nintendo's market share. Uh, So Nintendo wanted to to keep pace with Sony. So they released the Virtual Boy, but it was a complete flop. Uh, It had a small library of games. I mean, I think they only made maybe 20 or 30 games total. There was serious problems with it. The stand was too short. So like you were like reaching out your neck in a really, really weird position. Like I, my neck always hurt after playing it. It gave me headaches. Uh, it was, it only had two colors. It had red and black. That was it. Like it looked nothing like what, what we see on the television screen when we're watching this episode, it, it literally only had two colors on the, um, on the screen <laughs> when you're wow. watching it. And it didn't, I, I, there was a couple of things they could have done to make it better. Instead of putting it on a stand, there should have been some sort of, like a uh, Velcro strap to hold it to your head, like what we have nowadays, that would have worked a lot better, but you still would have had the problems with people getting headaches and stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a link with like a review on the virtual boy. It was, it was a flop. I think it's probably Nint- Nintendo's biggest flop, honestly. Cause I mean, you know, the NES was big, the SNES, the N64, we know all that. The Wii, the Switch, those have all been uh, huge. Huge commercial successes, but the Virtual Boy was a, a flop.
5: <laughs> how much How much did it cost back in the day? Because it sounds really expensive. Oh, gee,
4: I can't even remember. It, it was, I mean, I got it in like s- between fifth and sixth grade, I want to say. So, I mean, I can't imagine it would have been more than a, a hundred bucks or so. I mean, it, it's nothing. I mean, the switches nowadays are like $300. So, but, you know, in the mid-1990s, 150 bucks would have been a lot to pay for a yeah. console,
3: you know? Yeah, I mean, it would have been the equivalent of about $300 today. Right,
4: yeah, yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll send you guys a, uh, a review on it, and you can see what I mean. It was a complete flop. It's, it's probably, of the major gaming consoles that Nintendo has released, it's probably their biggest failure.
3: Well, like I said, it, it's it just sort of my notes on this are like, you know, again, what we're seeing on screen is something that would have been considered science fiction back in 1995. So just interesting in terms of what we do. Now, we get introduced to Dr. Kessler. And Bud says, I, I don't, I don't mean to doubt your little pleasure pouch here, but see, you're dealing with a guy who's had real, who's had the real thing more times than there are stars in the sky. So Dr. Kessler says, well, there are more than four stars in the sky, Mr. Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so Annabelle's research has confirmed this. So who has Bud had sex with? So Amber in uh, episode four of this season, it was Janie. In the wedding show, and she was played by Joey Lauren Adams. There was Deanna from Wedding Repercussions. Uh, she was the uh, Playboy Playmate. And Crystal. So Crystal was from the episode Kids, What Are You Gonna Do? Right. That's if we're assuming four different people.
2: hmm
3: And that's back in season five, I'm gonna say, right? Yes. So... But again, and that was, I guess, uh, speculative, but I mean, at least we know that Janie was the, fir- was the very first one that we're sure of being on screen.
4: There's there's also, now uh, I'll just say, there's also uh, the Valentine's Day episode that you and I reviewed
3: actually with Alyssa, but sort of had. Oh, with Rita. <laughs> <sort of> has- <laughs> depending- that was group sex. Yeah, depending, on- <laughs>
4: depending on what your definition of sex is, you could kind of say he had sex there. <laughs> Although some people, some people might consider that to be like rape, but <laughs> considering the considering the woman drug physically drugging in the room and
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I guess in this case it's going to be voluntarily, like, but voluntarily wanted to have it. Okay, <laughs> with these with these girls.
1: Excuse me. Well, I kiss the sky. (laughs) Oh, big surprise. I'm alone. My perfect mate is myself. (laughs) Last time I tell the truth on a sex survey... Amber? Surprised to see me in your fantasy, bud? No. No, not at all. I mean... It is my fantasy. So, so now what do we do? We have sex. We do. I mean, I mean, just like that. None of that pretending to respect you or any of that other junk women devote entire magazines to? Nope. Do with me what you will.
3: All right. So, when. Bud enters the virtual reality world. He says, excuse me while I kiss the sky. <laughs> so that is a reference to Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Now, if I remember correctly, that that line, excuse me while I kiss the sky, was also used by Al in a previous episode. I'm going to say it was the season eight closer. The one uh, where Kelly uh, Kelly's on the game show.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Isn't that where he, he thinks that uh, he's about to, you know, she's about to win, you know, win the game and hit the jackpot. And then the last question, of course, is who scored four touchdowns in one game? And he, shoots, That's right. and he can't get it or she can't get it.
3: <laughs> so Bud enters this virtual reality world and encounters who is his ideal sexual partner. And to much applause and whistles, we get the lovely Amber. Mm hmm. What do you guys
4: think of the CGI on this? I mean, for mid nineteen nineties, I guess it's not bad, really. <laughs> uh, or is this CGI, or is this just a green screen? Uh, probably just a green screen, huh?
3: Yeah, I, th- I would yeah. think so. Very nineties colors, very mid nineties colors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for and shapes too.
4: Yeah, for mid nineties, I don't think it looks bad.
3: And you know, the one thing I have to say about uh, Juliet Tablick you know, playing Amber. You know, which one of the things I didn't say in the interview is I I really love her facial expressions. Yep. She smirks like it's like, you know, the the smirks come out very good. It's like her looks of disgust. Yep, You know, they they seem like very natural. Like I imagine uh, when she she probably I mean, obviously, you know, these are things that somebody could do in real life. But, you know, those I think were really got it. The other thing I'll say about that interview, Chris, you remember when she said the line from the first episode? Mm -hmm. It's like about Bud's hand. It's like, do you work out? Yep. She said it exactly the same, like when we inserted the clip for, (laughs) for that episode. I mean, I think if you put it side by side, it sounded exactly the same, same intonation. So I thought that was great. Yeah,
4: definitely. And she sounds exactly the same, you know, and, and like I said, in the interview, she, she mentioned that she was, uh, you know, this was one of her first big, uh, or I guess one of her first big uh, acting jobs, but um, she seemed really seasoned to me. She was really, she did really, really well. The chemistry with, with her and David Faustino was great, you
0: know.
1: Hog, hog.
0: Oh, I recognize this. It's foreplay.
1: Either that or he has a spastic colon. <laughs> oh, baby, what you do? Yeah, it's his colon.
0: <laughs> Let's get a second opinion. Hey, Bruno. What does
3: this look like to you? Looks like I'm going to need a bigger mop. <laughs> so as Dr. Kessler and Sandy are looking at Bud in the experiment, <laughs> uh, we get introduced to the character of Bruno. <laughs> uh, and Bruno's the he looks like he's the janitor. And he's played by John Kendall. And he says, uh, you know, Bruno, what does this look like to you? Uh, he just says, "Looks like I'm gonna need a bigger mop." <laughs> <laughs> it's
5: great, like, you know. You have this uh, this whole research laboratory, all these, you know, um, all this equipment, monitoring equipment, two doctors, and you know, what does she do? Like, just asks some random layperson, "Hey, you, what do you think about this? <laughs> like, I need <laughs> another opinion." This somebody has no idea, you know.
3: <laughs> right. Let's ask the janitor. <laughs> I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen Jaws in a while, but it sounds to me like, isn't that the line from Jaws? It says, looks like yeah. I'm going to need a bigger mop. Like, like, what was the line in Jaws? I need uh, a bigger boat?
5: Looks like we're going to need a bigger boat, yeah. That's it. That's right. So that's where it comes yep. from.
3: <laughs> so now we cut back into the house, and Al is playing with the wires, and Jefferson's upstairs.
6: Jefferson! Yep! See what happens when I do this. <laughs> Good, to get power
2: upstairs. <laughs>
1: Smoke
3: cigars and ride tricycles. <laughs> so Al puts the wires together and electrocutes Jefferson, and Jefferson comes down the stairs with really wild hair and like a burnt face. <laughs> now, Mike, let's talk about that. The reality of, of like uh, of a guy like Al crossing wires. What would happen in real life? Okay.
5: Well. If uh, you you never do that because you don't know what's, unless you have a tester, but even if you had the tester and you found out that, you know, a a wire is live, you never cross two wires like that. If one was live and one was, uh, you had the hot and the neutral and you did cross them, all right, you'd create an overcurrent, which mean be, uh, you know, the surge of electricity and it would immediately trip the circuit breaker. So you you would see a flash of light and then you'd hear a pop. And the circuit breaker would turn off and there would be no more electricity on it. So that's, that's essentially what happened. You wouldn't get constant electricity, constant sparking like that. So, because that's, that's the whole principle of the circuit breakers to protect you from electric shock. And you'd probably see some, some carbon deposits on the wire and the installation itself. If uh, you held on to it a certain, you know, if you really held on to it uh, tightly enough. So.
3: I I I mean, so so that's, so that's where the black comes from. So in other words, when we talk about carbon deposit, that's what we're talking about. You're, you're, you're (laughs) essentially
5: burning, you're cooking the wire and you're cooking the insulation. That's, that's what it is. And even when, you know, uh, Jefferson comes down, you know, I I love the part where he says, you know, I just, let me just check this out, you know, and you hear Jefferson screaming coming uh, before he comes down, you know, you know, Al's like a successful test. See, we, we got electricity up there. See, it's, you know, now we know, you know, like just just very nonchalantly. Yeah, see, it, it works. We got electricity. But to, to get like that, I mean, if he would, you'd feel electricity. If you wanted to end up looking like Jefferson, that would be, that's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of electricity to go through your body. He, he probably would not have survived looking like that with his, with his clothes. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little unrealistic, but funny nonetheless. Right.
6: al are you ready to call an electrician
3: (laughs) i will not i'm gonna find out what this darn switch does if it kills me and jefferson (laughs) (laughs) aha our secret weapon
2: now we'll get to the bottom of this peg
3: (coughs) let's do it
6: (laughs) He's a butcher.
3: (laughs) Hence the genius of it. You see, he owns the entire Time Life series on household wiring. Oh, uh,
7: actually, Al, I don't have those anymore. The wife made me send them back.
3: (laughs) Not before you read them in the John, right? (laughs) Do you know me or what?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tell us where the circuit box is. Outside!
6: Uh Thank God for Bob Rooney. (laughs) We could have been inside for days!
0: Guys, please call an
2: electrician. We will not!
3: (laughs) So Peg wants Al to call an electrician, and Al pulls out his secret weapon card. So in comes Bob Rooney, who's a butcher. But he's read the entire Time Life series on household wiring, which makes him an expert.
4: <laughs> I, I like how he has—I like how he has this like full tool. Yeah, I'm looking at like the the tool vest thing he's wearing with like hammers and all these things that don't really have anything to do with electricity. <laughs>
5: Yeah, they look—they think- look like, uh, like normal belts. <laughs> like it wasn't even, you know, a, a a full professional tool belt. It's like a couple of pouches on a, on a, on a couple of belts. That's all it was.
4: Yeah, I mean that looks more like something like a carpenter would wear. Like, he, I mean, it looks like he has a hammer and like a, a one of those builder square things. You know, like, <laughs> like stuff that doesn't have anything to do with electricity. Like, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a paintbrush in there. <laughs>
3: Now, what I think is funny is like when he when the door opens and we see, you know, Bob Rooney, it's like he gives an outline. Let's do it. <laughs> and um, so the other thing I want to point out. So Bob Rooney, as we all know, is played by E.E. E. Bell or Ed Bell, and he's on our Facebook page. So we hope uh, we can uh, talk to him at some point. It'd be great to hear his perspective on it. But I think he's probably uh, one of the most beloved characters, minor characters we have on Married with Children. Everyone loves Bob Rooney. Absolutely. There's a mention of Time Life books. So Time Life was founded in 1961 as the book marketing division of Time Incorporated. It took its name from Time Inc.'s own cornerstone magazines, Time and Life, two of the most popular magazines of the era, but remained independent from both. Starting in 1967, Time Life combined its book offerings with music collections, two to five records, and packaged them as a sturdy box set. So Time Life Books gained fame as a seller of book series that could be mailed to households in monthly installments operating as book sale clubs and known as the direct-to-consumer business model. Time Life Books made such things as like the Great Lectures of Western Civilization or do-it-yourself home wiring or plumbing in the days before the internet when you could search for things like this.
4: It's amazing what you can find online.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things about the Time Life series back in the day.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, like, you know, you couldn't Google things, so you had to go to reference books. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Well, you you know, actually one comment I will make about that, about the Time Life books, it's like, if you think about like today, I mean, you had made the comment about finding things on uh, the internet. Right. Like nowadays you could go on YouTube, you could, you know, Google, you could find people, explain how to do things. You know, in 1995, Time Life series of books was like pretty much the only way you could do your kind of research. If you think about it.
5: Yeah. There, you know, or where are you going to go? A library, look in the encyclopedia, where, where do you even start? You know, other, other than, you know, if you had to do plumbing, you know, you had to be an apprentice. You know, you had to start an apprenticeship just to learn, or go to a trade school to learn it. You know, so um, and even now, uh, you know, I mentioned HDTV and DIY it gives you the confidence, you know, you see, you see the, the YouTube stuff, but then when you see people doing it and I mean, well that that's the, that's the pitfall is, you know, you see somebody who's doing it for 20 years, Hey, you just do this, you do this and boom, you're done. The sink is right there. You know, it gives you this, this false confidence, you know? Yeah. You see him do it in five minutes. It'll take you five hours, but this guy's done it so many times that you can do it. But, but you know, nonetheless, it's, it's uh, you could see. That, um, yeah, that, that, that resource is there now. It's, it's
3: changed a lot. So here's a question for you, Mike. So Al asks Bob Rooney, tell us where the circuit box is. And Bob Rooney says outside. Now, I've never heard of a, you know, an electric box <laughs> outside. <laughs> no. Usually it's inside the home, it, it, the, you know, in a basement, but not outside. It,
5: it, it, wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be outside. The meter would be outside. Right, And then it would go, you know, then it would feed to a, to a panel inside. But um, you'd never have a, uh, a circuit breaker panel outside. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, that, that's the first.
3: Yeah, because then Al says we could have been inside for days. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know. Maybe I was too hard on Bud the other day. I mean, he is sort of cute, don't you think? Well,
7: yeah, in a crypt-keeper kind of a way. <laughs> Look, Amber, I know that he really likes you. Well, maybe I should give him a break.
1: Oh. Hi, bud. I've been thinking about your invitation, and I'm free Friday. Oh, good, good. And you can spend it hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> As for me, I'm kind of busy. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: In your dreams.
1: Uh Yeah, you betcha.
3: (laughs) So, uh, again, you know, to Alex and the old team, you know, Jamie and Dan, uh, I apologize. I'm assuming, is that um, Crypt Keeper? Is that from... uh, Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. There you go. Yeah. So, Amber tries to give bud the benefit of the doubt and bud's not having it you know so she says i've been thinking about your invitation and i'm free friday this is so good you could spend it hanging with mr cooper (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you know hanging with mr cooper was uh, a tv show back uh, during that time period
4: yeah, I remember that show. I watched it uh, a few times. I mean, it wasn't, from what I remember, it wasn't like a super long-lasting. It feels like it ran maybe three or four seasons, something like that.
3: Yeah, so Hanging with Mr. Cooper is an American television sitcom that originally aired on ABC from September twenty second, 1992 to August thirtieth, nineteen 1997, starring Mark Curry and Holly Robinson. Okay. I uh, One of my favorite Griff jokes of all time is I think when uh, – that's in season 11. This is when he's carrying the Olympic torch.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. I, I think that's season 11. <laughs> and, uh, he's like excited at one point that it's like, uh, cause the guy who's on the radio is like, "Is like, is that, is that Al Bundy? He's like, no, is that's just me. It's like, you know, I, I sound Caucasian when I get excited. <laughs> 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 and that was a reference to Mark Curry and hanging at Mr. Cooper. Yeah. Bud brushes off Amber Bud says to Amber, I'll see you tomorrow. She says, in your dreams. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I sort of felt, uh, maybe I'm too soft-hearted. I kind of felt sorry for Amber there. <laughs> I kind of felt like Bud, like, uh, brushed her off. Oh, well, I mean, he said, you know, he he did brush her off, but I don't know. I kind of felt sorry for her there. This, this,
2: this, this.
6: Ow. There is not an eyebrow left among you. (laughs) Please call someone.
3: I will not. All we have to do, Peg, is find out where the last few of these wires go and I can start my vacation anew.
6: And what about Bob Rooney? You know, he's been missing for two days. Bob Rooney's not missing? Right, Bob Rooney? Right, Al? (laughs) He's in the wall. (laughs) He is stuck in our house, Al. Like
3: he's the only one.
5: (laughs) Hey, good news, Al. Griff thinks he's traced the problem. Here, hang on to this dead wire while we go down to the basement and check it out. All righty.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Odd. I see my entire life flashing before my eyes. And that only
6: happens right before.
3: So now we have this one little exchange where Peg is still pleading with Al to uh, call an electrician. You know, so Al says... All we have to do, Peg, is find out where the last few of these wires go, and I can start my vacation. She says, well, what about Bob Rooney? You know, he's been missing for two days. He's like, well, he's not missing. Right, Bob Rooney? <laughs> and he's stuck in the wall. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's, in the, he's stuck in our house. And Al says, like, he's the only one. <laughs> you know what's funny is um, that joke
4: is referenced on a lot of Married with Children pages a lot. As far as uh, Bob Rooney being stuck inside the wall, you know, there's, there, I don't really see that joke much on our podcast page, but there's a lot of other, other married with children pages out there. And I don't know what it is, but that joke gets brought up a lot. People will say, Bob Rooney's still stuck in the wall or Bob Rooney's still in the wall.
3: Well, you know, I mean, I think if the series ended, you know, if we had gotten to the last episode of season 11 and this was the episode that aired, then, you know, I think the joke would be appropriate. But, you yeah. know, Bob gets out of it <laughs> in uh, season in season 10 episodes. Oh,
4: right? yeah, yeah, that's what's weird about it. Like, I don't know why people always make that joke. It's like, uh, guys, we've seen him,
3: bef- we've seen him since then.
5: <laughs> I, I like the uh, I like the whole uh, looks like uh, when you had those rubber band balls, you know, that you just keep on accumulating all of the yeah. uh, with the wires, it's just like right in front of right in front of Al, just trying to find out <laughs>
3: where the last wires are. Uh, And the comedy was there. It's like they say, here, hang on to this dead wire, (laughs) dead wire when we go into the basement. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dead wire.
5: It's dead wire right now. Right. It's just uh, this this hint. But
3: (laughs) I mean, technically for him to have gotten juiced, Mike, he would need two wires. I mean, yeah, if you're just holding unless there
5: was another wire in that ball that he had that was going to ground or going somewhere else. But but yeah, this is, you know, leave him alone there. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to leave you alone. We're going to leave you alone and we're going to just turn the power on.
2: (laughs)
7: Hey, daddy, we need to talk. (laughs) What's that smell?
3: Some hair, some skin. (laughs) What's up?
7: It's Bud, dad. He hasn't showered in four days he disappears at night and he has no interest in the opposite sex anymore
3: and the problem is
7: daddy he's like that and he's not even married
3: pumpkin pumpkin if there was something up with bud don't you think i would know it son are you okay Mm. oh yeah (laughs) see father always knows best now excuse me there's two guys in the basement I've got to kill. <laughs> see? He said, and he says, see, fathers knows best. So again, you know, so Married with Children was the show where father doesn't know best. Right. That was the way it was advertised in 1987. So, you know, there's a great uh, callback for me. So Al gets up and he says, "Excuse me, there's two guys in the basement. I gotta go. I gotta kill." <laughs> so again, so I think eventually they found that the circuit breaker box was in the basement. Right.
4: Well, you know the other thing I find funny about this that that we've never uh, that we haven't really mentioned yet is so the Bundys have lived in this house for how many years now? Presumably, uh, over 20 years. I forget the exact right. math, but they've lived in this house for a long, long time, and Al has never. <laughs> <laughs> never questioned hey by the way what does this light switch do or never got the idea to do to mess with it until today just because jefferson or even though it? with the
3: circuit breaker boxes i mean they've lost power in the past and they've like blown circuits oh, yeah. so, i mean yeah. you have to go into the basement at some point to you know put turn it back on
4: right i mean i guess al
3: just forgot well, i mean even al even al built the bathroom right when he built his bathroom i mean he had to have uh, you know, tapped into uh, an electrical uh, to some circuit in order to power the lights in the bathroom in the in the garage.
4: Yeah, right? I mean, I guess he has a short
3: memory. <laughs> Maybe just got fried. You know, yeah. <laughs> all of his short, all his long term memory cells got fried. <laughs> so Bud comes down the stairs with a box. Hey, Bud,
7: what's in the box?
1: Uh, just some old things I don't need anymore.
7: Your porno magazines and your rubber dolls? <laughs> okay, but I don't understand. First, you blow off Amber, the only woman who has ever touched you without saying, Excuse me, Sonny. <laughs> now, this?
1: Look, Kelly, I don't need Amber, okay? I have her. Dr. Kessler introduced me to cybersex, and I can create Amber anytime I want. But she's not
7: the real Amber.
1: Oh, oh, she's better. She does what I want, whenever I want it. You see, Kel, this is the breakthrough that men have been waiting for since the beginning of time. You know what? It looks like you and you're cross-legged. Let's talk. Gift-expecting. Ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. What about me, bimbo sapiens, are about to be made obsolete? (laughs)
3: Kelly says, what's in the box? Some old things I don't need anymore. Your porno magazines and your rubber dolls. (laughs) (laughs) So the box is full of biggins and uh, we're assuming Isis is in the box. Or maybe Isis and her friends. So Bud tells Kelly all about the virtual reality sex experiment. So what we get out of that is that, you know, Bud says that the virtual amber is better than the real amber and he says to Kelly, you know what? It looks like you and your cross-leg let's talk, the gift expecting, ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. What about me, Bimbo sapiens are about to be made obsolete? <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, that was funny, but you can't take a a virtual sex console or suit or whatever home to mo- home to your parents, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I'll said that, you know, famously to uh uh, Steve, right? He said, "You can't take a battery home to meet your mother."
5: Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a big, it's a big jump. I mean, you just see how Bud is not Bud anymore. He's this the the, the self confidence gets back. You know, he's he's very authoritative now. You don't you don't see him ever before.
3: So uh, I really love the joke, of bimbo sapiens, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Homo sapiens. That's great. <laughs> so you know, so what's interesting about this is like you know, Kelly comes to the realization that hey, you know, if this thing actually becomes a thing, it's like, you know, she loses her power. You know, and the same thing with Amber. I mean, not just, you know, let's say with Bud, but with all men. So they they look to sabotage this experiment.
4: Yep. Yeah, if it, if they have to stop it cuz, you know, like you said, they would lose their 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 power, their their hold that they
3: have over men. So what do you what do you guys think? Mike, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I I I
5: think That's what you know. As he said before, he rattled off everything. This is what ordering expensive, the most expensive thing on the menu, getting me gifts. I mean, that's what they expect, and you know, all all women have to do is just heighten up their skirt a little bit, or you know, look pretty, and they get what they want. And it is this power that they have, and that's yeah. they, They now they feel threatened. But of course, what you said—you know—you've you, got this, you know, laboratory that you have to hook up to just to get to it. But, but nonetheless, they—it's—it's it's something in their way, so they join
3: forces, uh, to, you know, to put an end to it. So Kelly goes to the lab, dressed as a doctor, and she encounters Doctor Kessler.
1: Ooh,
2: Amber. Ooh, yes.
7: <laughs> Excuse me. Aren't you the world-famous Dr. Keebler?
2: Kessler. (laughs) And, uh, you you are?
7: Dr. Von Bundy. I specialize in nuclear dentistry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Never heard of that department. Well, it's a top-secret program between the CIA and, uh, Crest. But anyway, (laughs) enough about me. Tell me about your work.
1: Well, I uh, first began my sexual behavior studies 10 years ago on the lower primates. That's uh, these discs here. With my more recent experiments, I've moved up the evolutionary ladder. Yeah!
2: <laughs>
1: Somewhat.
7: I see. Fascinating. So, scientifically speaking, huh?
2: <laughs>
1: yes, well, my goal is to prove that the human male's psychosexual needs can be fully satisfied with my machine, thereby eliminating the embarrassment of rejection.
7: Do you really think that you can make this obsolete? Oh! <laughs> Would you care to discuss this over a moonlit stroll?
1: But, uh, I-, I have a patient... Who is now on autopilot.
3: So she says, aren't you the world famous Dr. Keebler? <laughs> so so the Keebler reference, if you remember in the episode when Bud has sex with uh, Joey Lauren Adams, Janie in the wedding show, she referred to him as the Keebler elf. She said he looked like the Keebler elf. So maybe that's a reference. Yeah so Kelly specializes in nuclear dentistry, which is a top secret program between CIA and crest. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor says, what I find funny is he says that, you know, the sexual behavior studies, uh, he started them 10 years ago on lower primates on these discs here. It's just, you know, and he's somewhat moved up the evolutionary ladder now that he's experimenting with bud. Now here's another time capsule. I mean, he talked about discs now back in 1995, you know, we had those little floppy disks, those 1.44 megabyte floppy disks. So, I mean, what was the last time like you, you used the disk? Ooh,
5: the three and a half inch, three and a half inch floppy, even though it wasn't, you know, it was floppy inside, but it was hard plastic and 1.4 mega, that, that was a ton of data that could hold a lot of data back then. And uh, yeah, that, that one, the only, the only one before I do remember the one before that, cause it looked like it the, fi- the five and a quarter. The five and a quarter. That was truly floppy because that was like a, you you could bend it. I mean, you you shouldn't, you know, but you and it had a sleeve for it. But I, I don't know. I think I was using floppies up until at least the late nineties till. Uh,
3: I mean, a couple of years after that, but then like they really became obsolete. Yeah. Then it was. I mean, yeah, Chris. I mean, you know, I mean, you're younger than us. I mean, what uh, like what are your remembrances of that?
4: Uh, well, we for sure used them in elementary school and middle school. I want to say we were using them in junior high which would be the late 1990s but I don't have any memory of them from really from my high school life to the present I kind of like what you guys were saying it, it's amazing when you look at uh, technology as far as how they've been able to increase storage in such smaller places you know like we were talking about uh, video games earlier Look at a. I don't. I, I don't think either of you guys are huge gamers, but look up a, a regular. You know, look at the size of a regular Nintendo tape or you know NES, and look at the size of a of a game that goes inside of an of a Nintendo Switch. I mean, we're talking about the Switch games are not much bigger than like the, it's about the size of a quarter, like literally a twenty-five cent quarter piece. You know, and look at the old Nintendo tapes. These these things were like six inches these things these things were like six by six you know six inches by six inches and like a half an inch thick
3: <laughs> compare yeah, the and-
4: size of that and then look at the look at the difference in the technology and the storage and, and the size of them you know
5: i i was i was more of a um not a nintendo i was more of a sega sega genesis i had okay. that console and i i played that a lot. And uh, they were probably about the same size, maybe a little bit smaller, but, you know, you had, you know, four meg. I oh, know this is a four meg cartridge. Oh, this was an eight meg cartridge. Oh my goodness. You know, can, can you imagine what kind of graphics are on this one? Cause it's eight megs, but it was, it was huge. It was a whole, you know, even the board. I mean, the, the, the housing itself was kind of big, but even if you look at the board, it was compared to what you're saying, compared to like a, an SD micro card or what what that could store, how many gigs it can store. It, it, I mean, over what just a couple of decades exponentially got small so uh so yeah yeah
3: i mean you can you can have a terabyte worth of storage on a on a flash drive nowadays Mm. yeah you know i mean and and you're talking about like something that is about this i mean it's much thinner i mean well uh, much more narrow than a floppy drive and pretty much let's say the same size and a terabyte worth of data. I mean, <laughs> you got to imagine like back in the, back in the you know, mid '90s, a terabyte worth of data. Like you'd have a data center that was probably like a few thousand square feet was to store that much data. Now, like you could put it in your pocket. Yeah, yeah but, but I, I think what another another thing that
5: I, I think amazes me is despite that lack of you know memory, the amount of memory that you had. I mean, some of the games back in I remember mid '90s, early '90s, mid '90s at high school when I uh, played a little bit more the uh, the game I don't know if you remember it, Doom that was a very very popular sure. game. that was a very very popular game and Doom only took if I remember correctly four or five of the floppies so yeah like five megabytes but it was you know it wasn't just one level I forget how many levels it was that you can that you can go to how big the whatever or, or a- area that you were at throughout the game. It was very detailed, you know, very graphic oriented. You could, what you could do with it. I thought it was amazing. I, I, I remember having this, um, the simulator it was an um, F-15 military jet simulator. And it was very accurate. It was very real. And it only took five floppies. And I'm like, wow, you know, you could go all these different missions and all these different controls. And it's like, it's only five floppies. So I think it's... It was pretty impressive what they were able to do with such little memory back then, how good the games were. So I think that amazes me
3: too. So Kelly's plan is to seduce the doctor, Dr. Kessler, who's played by J.D. Cullum, away from the lab. So she says, do you really think you can make this obsolete? And she pulls off that lab coat and wow. I have to admit, Christina Applegate looks stunning there. Absolutely. You know, and she's... you know, I don't know if we made mention of this before. She's even she's sporting an even shorter haircut than she did at the beginning of season nine.
4: Yes, she is. It's noticeably shorter here.
3: So as uh, Kelly moves the Doctor out of the lab, in comes Amber.
1: Oh uh, yeah, ooh ooh ooh. Uh huh, that's the spot. Mm. You know what I like? You bet I do. <laughs> hey, what happened? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Enjoy, big boy. Oh, God. Oh, God.
3: Oh, God. Oh, God. So, you know, so Bud's enjoying himself, and uh, Amber decides to switch the discs with the primate discs. <laughs> and we hear Bud scream. I just loved the look on her face. Like I said, that smirk. I said, you know what it was? I think for me, Chris, you know, I got really sold on uh, Juliet Tablet's smirk throughout that whole scene, you know? Yep, yep. As she's getting her revenge.
4: Yeah, you know, a lot of times we've talked about, you know, I know Alex and, and the older crews, especially in the beginning of the series, spoke about how good the physical comedy is, you know, Ed O'Neill, Katie Seagal, Christina Applegate, David Faustino, and Amanda Burst and others. Juliette Tablack fits in really well with this crew because she, uh, she shows some pretty good physical comedy with her smirks, I think.
3: Oh, absolutely. So we cut back to the Bundy living room.
6: <laughs> good going, Al. You have wrecked the house. Jefferson and Griff now look like fried green tomatoes. <laughs> and you still don't know where that switch goes. Have you anything at all to say for yourself?
3: me good night kids good night good night
2: bob rooney
5: as he's holding his two fingers and he's just watching the electricity go between his two fingers (laughs) he's gotten electrocuted so many times there's inherent electricity in his body
3: right now (laughs) and you know so one thing i want to point out is You know, we actually saw Griff in an earlier part of the scene, but this is the one episode, I believe, in the whole series where Harold Sylvester has absolutely no dialogue. In other words, we see him on screen. He's interacting with everyone, but he actually doesn't say a word. Ah, That's interesting.
4: I I I didn't register before. But, yeah, you make a great point.
3: And, you know, Peg makes this references to fried green tomatoes. So Fried Green Tomatoes is a 1991 American comedy drama film directed by John Avnet and based on Fanny Flagg's 1987 novel. It stars Kathy Bates, Jessica Tandy, Mary Stewart Matherson, Mary Louise Parker, and Cicely Tyson. The film tells the story of a housewife who, unhappy with her life, befriends an elderly lady in a nursing home and is enthralled by the tales she tells of the people she used to know.
5: Yeah, sorry. Uh, I had FemBlock on my uh, box, so I didn't get a chance to see it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Peg says, have you anything at all to say for yourself? So Al gets up and hugs her and it's like it's almost like she's experiencing an orgasm right she's like "Ooh, baby (laughs) says al
4: bake me (laughs) that's more action than peg generally gets in the bedroom so hey
5: yeah what a contrast because you see jefferson get burnt you know with his hair al's getting electrocuted constantly all the pain you know i'm gonna kill those guys right but when he Passes it over to Peg. She's like, you know, this is—it's not painful to her.
3: <laughs> this is like
5: pleasurable to her.
3: So we end with Bud, Kelly, and Amber on the couch. You shake it, oh yeah, you shake it, baby.
0: That's the bud I remember. Good job, Kelly.
7: Nah, well, I can't take all the credit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you're the one. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Shake that booty, baby. You know what I like.
3: And this is the last time we will see our beloved Amber. I know, it's
4: sad in a way, man. Funny ending here, but sad that this is the last time we see her.
3: (laughs) So I think, you know, we saw Bud screaming in the chair. So until we see on screen that it's a bunch of chimpanzees and gorillas that he's... He's referring to, I think that's where the hysterical laughter breaks out, but I thought that was comedy gold.
4: Yeah, that was good. That was a great, great twist ending there
3: for the, for them, at least. So finally, Al comes down the stairs.
6: <sighs> Al, you better not be fooling with that switch again.
3: I'm not Pookie. What the hell does this thing do?
6: Man, I gotta find out where the switch to this light is.
3: We cut to our beloved buck in the backyard. And he says, Man, I gotta find out where the switch to this light is. (laughs) End credits. (laughs) <laughs>
4: so a couple yeah. things that's funny about that ending to me is you know we already mentioned earlier it, it's weird that the Bundys have lived in the house this long and don't know what that switch does and also isn't there a, a season 10 episode i believe or possibly 11 i can't remember where al is building a dog house for lucky you know the new dog that's right he's building a dog house with carlos for, yeah with carlos yeah So I guess we are to assume that Al, I guess, threw this doghouse away or something when Buck passed away. (laughs) Because, I mean, this looks like a pretty good doghouse to me. It already has a light in it. I don't know why he spent all that money building a new one
3: for Lucky. I I mean, Lucky's doghouse had a toilet, had a flush toilet in his (laughs) article, right? (laughs) Yeah, because
4: we we all know that's necessary. But he had the code inspector on him, though, so he had to put a toilet in there, didn't he?
3: (laughs) Great stuff.
6: No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app, and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcasts with a small monthly donation. You can email them at MarriedWChildrenPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review.
3: So Chris, how many mystery light switches will you investigate for this episode? Well,
4: I like this episode. I think it has a really good A plot. This one that you mentioned at the time was science fiction, and now we're to the point 26 years later, where it's pretty much science fact, felt the A-plot was strong. The B-plot was funny. I mentioned earlier that as a kid, I actually liked the B-plot better because <laughs> it was very slapstick and it was wild and crazy, you know, seeing Alan Jefferson getting electrocuted. Uh, I think as an adult, it's the exact opposite. I like the A-plot better because I understand the sexual references and the jokes better. I think both plots paid off really well at the end. You know, they're at the end with Bud and Amber and they're at the end with Al the light switch. Overall, I think it's a really good episode. It's a little bittersweet because this is Amber's last episode. I think everyone knows she's one of my personal favorites as far as the support characters in the series. So that's sad, but it was nice to see her one last time. She looked amazing. You know, she still looks amazing today and, and still sounds exactly the same. We've mentioned that before. And A lot of episodes that, uh, you know, we give lower ratings, it sort of feels like they don't really have anything for for the B-plot characters to do or they don't have anything for this character or that character to do. Everyone kind of fit in well in this episode, I I think. Nothing felt forced. Nothing felt rushed or anything like that. So I like it. I'm going to give it 4.5 mystery light switches out of 5.
3: Very good. Okay, Mike. How many mystery light switches will you investigate for this episode? All right. I, I think that, uh, you know, everything,
5: uh, even from the beginning, you know, just seeing Al come in, you know, and their whole dialogue about, the the cable box and about the the guy package. I think that was that was really great. It's um it's very relatable. It's very funny. Even the term, you know, Femme block and and all the the jokes in the beginning. I think it's 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 really funny. It's really great. That that made me laugh a lot. And then you know going into the whole virtual reality, the uh, the sex experiment with with Bud. I don't think he could have found a better person to experiment on. So I, I thought that that ended up being you know really funny with the uh, you know intertwining his relationship with with Amber and the, the tag team with 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 Kelly and trying you know to to, to sabotage. So that went well, and, and of course the best part is men doing what they do best is is trying to be men and try to figure out everything themselves and try to do it themselves because, uh, you know, that's uh, that's what it's about. They're not going to uh, back down and uh, not have a, a challenge that they, they can't overcome. So I thought that that innuendo with the getting electrocuted, it was somewhat what I appreciated. It was believable, a little ridiculous, but I think that's what makes it funny. Because if it's too ridiculous, then then it's not funny at all. But just having Al and and, and Jefferson and, and getting all these resources to help out with this one stupid little <laughs> light switch is uh, that's that's comedy. That's comedy. So that that's why um, I'll I'll give it four. I'll give it four switches for that.
3: All right. Very good. Okay, so, for this episode, user-friendly, I will be giving it four and a half mystery light switches, like you, Chris. I really enjoyed it. You know, one of the things they talked about at the beginning of the episode was, uh, you know, Peg says to Alice, like, what are you gonna be watching? Like, monster movies, jiggly shows, and Three Stooges. And to me, it's like the B-plot was pretty much a repeat of a Three Stooges skit. No, because it's exactly I mean, in other words, what we saw on screen was exactly that. So I feel like there was a very subtle attempt to at just try to tell us the viewer that yeah, you know you're gonna be watching the three Stooges here. And I thought that that was really funny because you know I've always said this. you know traditionally, I'm not as big a fan of the later season episodes because like I feel like a lot of the verbal comedy is not there. It's like we see a lot more physical comedy. But there was a lot of the verbal comedy and physical comedy in this particular episode, so I really appreciated it. You know, everything from even silly things like Bob Rooney getting stuck in the wall to, you know, these, the whole cyber sex with the guy saying, it's like, I think I'm going to need a bigger mop. <laughs> I, I, just, I just really appreciated all of that. You know, and again, you know, we got to know uh, Julia Tablik, who played Amber, And I really got to appreciate uh, her scenes. I mean, I would say, I know, Chris, you had said when we interviewed her that, you know, your favorite scene with her was like that bed scene. Mm -hmm. And I I would say, you know, two scenes that really stick out uh, for Amber. Actually, uh, one's I think going to be a little maybe out of the the blue. In In her first episode, Naughty But Nice, there's the whole ballroom dancing scene. Yeah. And... You know, there's not a lot of dialogue there, but, you know, there's sort of this, it's that whole dance that they do with the background music. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, when we produced that episode, we used that background music for when Amber, excuse me, (laughs) when Juliet starts speaking. Because, you know, on the original episode, Amber was speaking and, you know, Bud is supposed to be listening while he's drifting off into La La Land and that episode comes up. So uh, I just thought it was done very well. It was very classy. Uh, there was a, there was comedy in it, but it was, like, like I said, I just appreciated the music. But I think for me, my favorite Amber scene really is uh, in this episode where, you know, she comes in and she has that smirk on her face. It's like, you know, where she's exacting her revenge on Bud. Yeah. And that to me is like, you know, I think it's, I mean, it's really not even physical comedy. It's just, it's the physical reaction that she gives. It's like, haha, I'm going to get you. And the way that, you know, she does it on camera I think is what sells that ca- her character to me. Yeah. So, you know, again, it was bittersweet, right? Like you said earlier, Chris, bittersweet that this is the last time we see her on screen. Yeah. She had that
4: look that, that all women look when they're about to get us, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the old saying, hell hath no fury. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. So and she had hell that- hath no fury like a woman's score.
4: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she had that look on her face. All women have it too. All women have that look,
5: no matter how how small they are, you know. Because you know she's not <laughs> right. It's usually the, the 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 short the short tiny ones are the the most fury. So yep, yep. Yeah, it's
3: like they say, it's the the smaller the dog, you know, the bigger the bark, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> So just to wrap things up. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I think you're a little apprehensive about joining us in the nudie Bar today cuz uh yeah, say, right, well, you know like I said right we know you you're not a die-hard married with children fan, but I mean this was great. And you know and that's and that's also great for us because when Alex first started the show, JP and Jerry were not necessarily huge married with children fans. So you know, we were getting different perspectives of people who hadn't necessarily watched the show for the last 30 34 years at this point we wanted to get like a fresh perspective in terms of somebody like watching the episode so just out of curiosity this was the I mean had you seen this episode before or you probably had see, have you seen this episode a long time ago like you know what was just your impressions besides your review I've never seen this
5: episode or I don't remember seeing it because if this was late in the uh I think I stopped around 91, 92 is when I really stopped i I, I think during high school's when i really stopped watching a lot of tv so if it was around there i probably didn't see it so i think probably earlier stuff i, I know what it's about so i, I know when everybody references like the, the classic and the the original first few seasons where that that comedy is because i know toward the end they had to be a little more creative i i think that it's from never seeing it and for not really watching married with children it it had that it had that punch it still had that that slap in your face that I remember from watching it such a long time ago it had all those elements in it I, I think so you said you, you, you can see the interaction between the characters uh, very well and it's uh, and you mentioned the physical and the verbal comedy as well so it was a nice um, you know to see it again from having not seen it from a, I mean seeing an episode and not having seen this one and not having seen episodes for a while it was it was really great it was I, I laughed really really hard so uh that that's the impression it gave me
3: that's great all right so mike thank you so much again for joining us i really had a great time in the nudie bar it's like wow like over two hours we had a lot to talk about in this episode (laughs) huh
2: well
3: thanks for
4: having me appreciate it i'm honored great being with you guys yeah thanks for joining us man it was a pleasure
3: you know chris it's like it's interesting you know for 22 minute episode like we have lots of stuff to talk about
4: yeah sure is isn't it
3: I mean, it makes producing these things so much more difficult, but I think it, it, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, it's just fun to do it anyway.
5: Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm looking and I'm like, oh crap, the Time Life books, we didn't even, you know, we kind of touched on that. And I'm like, oh man, we didn't talk too much about that. There's like probably another hour we could have
3: talked on like other stuff. Okay, so join us next week as the Married with Children podcast reviews Pump Fiction. When Kelly and Al collaborate and make a short documentary film about shoes for Kelly's acting class in the Larry Storch School of Acting, they win a grant of $10,000 from the National Endowment of the Arts to make another movie, A Day in the Life of a Shoe Salesman. So tune in next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. Well,
1: I better get back. Um, Amber? Can I see you tomorrow? I'll see. (laughs)